This episode of Lead to Win is brought to you by Free to Focus, a total productivity system to achieve more by doing less. The latest bestseller by Michael Hyatt. Find out more at freetofocusbook.com. Hi, I'm Michael Hyatt. And I'm Megan Hyatt-Miller. And this is Lead to Win, our weekly podcast to help you win at work and succeed at life. And in this episode, we're talking about how to create greater mental focus, something we all need. Well, in this distraction economy, that's a rare commodity, but we've got nine practices that'll instantly boost your ability to do deep work. I'm really excited about this because it's so practical. And one of the biggest challenges that we all face as leaders in making decisions and leading our teams is our ability to focus. We can't do meaningful work unless we can maintain focus. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're exactly right. And we've got nine practices to share. And I want to challenge you guys as leaders, don't let another week go by with fractured focus. Pick at least one of these nine practices today and put it to work. Yeah, so let's turn to Larry now to guide us through the topic. Thanks, guys. And as we open up this topic of creating greater mental focus, uh, you know, this really is our focus at Michael Hyatt and Company is to help leaders gain greater focus and clarity. Let me ask you something. Has that always been your focus? No, I think that one of the things I realized as an executive in the corporate world is that uh, the whole multitasking thing was a myth and that I couldn't focus on everything because basically that was a recipe to focus on nothing and that I couldn't do deep, meaningful work. The times when I would advance uh, the progress of my division, when I would make the most money for the company, when I would succeed in, in achieving the goals that the company had set, were times when I set aside specific time to focus, to really concentrate, to exclude all the other things that, that distract us. And now, in the, in the current economy that we're in, the current world we live in, there are so many distractions and big companies. Some of the world's biggest tech companies basically have a business model that's at war with our ability to concentrate and focus. And so you got to be very intentional if you're going to succeed. In this distraction economy, leaders must create their own focus. So here are our nine practices for doing that. Practice number one, calendar your focus time. This is so important to make an appointment with yourself for deep work. You're probably not going to fit in your kind of prolonged um, sessions of focus. For example, if you need to write something, create a proposal, write a report, create content, something like that, it's not going to happen in the little slivers between your meetings, for example. You need sustained time to do that. And in order to do that, you need to schedule that. This is what Jason Fried and David Hansen talk about in their book, Rework, um, where they reference the alone zone. And it's just important not only for you to put this on your calendar, but to get in a setting where you can be by yourself and not interrupted. I would say another thing to add to that, this needs to be scheduled at a time when you can get into peak performance. Mm -hmm. And so not all time is created equal. You That's know, so I just true. refer you to Daniel Pink's book, When, where he talks about chronotypes mm -hmm. and knowing your chronotype. In other words, knowing when you're at your peak. And right. so for me, and this is not true for everybody, but for me, that's typically early morning. I'm going to do my best, most creative work early in the morning. Yep. Some people do that best in the evening. There's some people that do that midday, but figure out when it is for you and schedule that time in the, the alone zone 
uh, to do your most important work. Well, the reason why that whole idea of chronotypes is important is you don't want to set yourself up to fail. Right. You know, for me, for example, if I had to do really deep thinking work, like about two o'clock in the afternoon, it would just be trash time. Like it's just not valuable. Um, I'm not sharp mentally. That's just not the best time of my day. That's a good time for me to process email or something like that, but it's not a great time for me to focus. And so I need to be kind of my own best friend in that and schedule this during a time when I know my brain is already going to be online for this kind of focus. Well, you're reminding me of a quote I ran across and preparing for this episode from Charles Buxton, a 19th century British philosopher, politician. So way back then, he said, you will never find time for anything. If you want time, you must make it. Mm. It's kind of like what you say, Dad, what gets scheduled gets done. Right. And that's absolutely true for your focus. So practice number one, For creating more mental focus, calendar your focus time. Practice number two, isolate yourself. Yeah, I first discovered this when I started asking myself the question, why was I so productive on an airplane? We've joked that when we need to get something really important done, that we need our assistants to stick us on a plane to California. And by the time we come back, we'll have it done. Well, it's so true. I mean, I I never get more done than when I'm in an airplane. And I think it's a couple of reasons. One is that it's it's a little bit like working in a coffee shop. You know, there's enough white noise going on that's that it's uh, allows you to focus. I don't know how that works in terms of brain chemistry, but it does. And the other thing is, I mean, I don't know anybody to get involved in conversations and I can really be focused on my work. Now they screwed that up a little bit by adding internet to airplanes. Right. And it's especially annoying when the internet doesn't work very well. So you find yourself trying to get it to work and, you know, futzing around with it and, you know, trying to get pages to load that won't load and all that. But I think for creative work, I do my best work at 35,000 feet. You know what I think it is? You are literally buckled into your seat. (laughs) I mean, half the battle of doing any kind of focused work is keeping your butt in the dang chair until you have the breakthrough. And you've got to make it through like the first 30 minutes to an hour. And if you're on a plane, you can't go anywhere. That's good. And maybe it's a little bag of peanuts too. I don't know. (laughs) Maybe that's a secret. But, But you can do that. You can replicate that in your office anytime you want. And so it involves things like, okay, closing your office door if you have one. Mm -hmm. And if you're working in a cube, you know. Uh, sorry for you, but if you are, if you're working in a cube, put on some headphones or some uh, something that signals to the outside world that you're in in deep work, and have an agreement among your coworkers and say, "Look, guys, let's agree that 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 this deep work is important." You know, read Cal Newport's book, Deep Work, mm-hmm. if you have to as a team, and then say, "How can we signal to one another that we need the space to do this?" And maybe it's simply, you know, the universal symbol of having your headphones in means, "Don't interrupt me. I'm involved." Uh, in deep work, or put up a sign, or even better, preempt the whole interruption issue by going to your coworkers, especially your boss, bosses can be bad at this, and saying, hey, I'm about to go into some deep work, and I just wondered if there's anything I can get for you, anything you need before I do that, because I don't want to be interrupted during the next hour and a half. Mm -hmm. The other thing that we've done at Michael Hyatt and Company to facilitate this is that we've designated Thursdays as a no meeting day. Now, we don't adhere to that 100%, but I would say we're about like 80 to 90% there. And what that means is, is that because we are free to not have meetings on that day, then 
our office is virtually empty on Thursdays. You know, that's a really low populated time in the office because people are usually home or at a coffee shop, wherever they feel like they work best, digging into deep work that, you know, is project related that they've maybe not been able to do while they're in and out of meetings all week. That sounds like a simple idea. And it is. But when I shared that with entrepreneurs, like their head explodes, I think right. you can do that. Oh my gosh, it's so awesome. I was just talking to a guy last night that I was coaching and and he said, you know, based on your input, we're starting, it happened to be an educational institution. He said, uh, we're going to start doing that. We're going to have meeting-free Fridays. Mm. And he was almost giddy about the prospect of it. Right, because most of our days are filled up with meetings and we don't have that opportunity. Practice number two then is isolate yourself. That brings us very naturally to number three, which is Go offline. Mm -hmm. You can do that? <laughs> you can. <laughs> this is a big deal because we can be our own worst enemies. You know, the notifications, the email, the distractions that are everywhere present in our lives um, can really sabotage our efforts to focus. So this is simple things like turning off your email, you know, just yeah. – you don't need to be online. Usually for the kind of focused work that we're talking about, it's not usually research-based or internet-based. And so you don't need access to those things. Um, turn off your notifications. If there are things popping up on your phone or your computer throughout this time that you have blocked, it's engineered to distract you, you know, oh. so you're probably not going to have the mental strength to overcome that. So you need to block it out. If you need the internet, you really like a tool that's called freedom. You want to talk about that for a minute? Yeah. So there's a tool called freedom. You can find out more at freedom.to. It's not perfect. And in fact, right now I'm a little bit frustrated because it's not working uh, completely with iOS devices because Apple changed the way that those devices can uh, block content. They call them content blockers. But, uh, but on the desktop, it works fantastic. What Now, how I've solved that problem on my phone, I just recently went through an overhaul of turning my smartphone into a dumb phone. So I don't have any email. I mean, literally, I don't have an email client on my phone. I don't have Slack. I don't have any social media, with the exception of Instagram, because I have to do Instagram stories for work. But even there, I control that with screen time to a limited amount each day. And only Gail has the passcode, so I can't breach that. That, by the way, is a secret. That's we were secret. talking about this earlier, you know, it's so easy to override that. But if you give somebody else, um, you know, kind of like the the lockdown code, then you're in much yeah, better shape. And, and you can also block your access to your devices for certain periods of the day. So it's not just all about your cumulative time. You can actually lock yourself out of them that's right. during certain periods. And that would be another alternative to freedom. Well, that's what you do with freedom. You go into a session, yep. you can decide how long it's going to be. Mm -hmm. But the great thing on the desktop for that, and that's about the only place that I could look at social media today is on the desktop is freedom blocks those sites. So if I go over to TweetDeck, for example, or if I go to Facebook, then it immediately bounce me, bounces me back to the previous page. I can't even access it until the session's over. The only way I can defeat it is to completely reboot my computer. And who's got time for that? So it's just enough friction that it reminds me of my purpose of staying focused. So going offline is huge. And I just want to say also, uh, Cal Newport's new book, Digital Minimalism, mm -hmm which um, is, is an amazing book and a really important book. But I think social media has basically destroyed our focus. And, you know, my book platform, I was a huge advocate of social media. And I still think, you know, used correctly, it's okay. But when I wrote that book in 2012, it was a very different world than we're living in today. Mm -hmm. And it's become such an enormous distraction. And the business model of Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is diametrically opposed to us as leaders wanting to focus. 
because they're desperately trying to keep you on their platforms and keep you from ever leaving. And so you're, you're outgunned. Cal talks about this as David and Goliath 2.0, and you're the David against this gigantic social media infrastructure that's trying to take you down. Practice number three, then, is to go offline, and let's move to number four, which is to turn the room temperature down. I want to share with you a little bit of a study published by Scientific American and see if this fits with your experience. So in this study, uh, participants were asked to proofread an article, and some of them were placed in a warm room at 77 degrees Fahrenheit. Some of them were placed in a cool room at 67 degrees Fahrenheit. And what the researchers found was that those in the cool room did twice as well as those in the warm room at identifying errors in proofreading. It was a, a 100% difference that 10 degrees made. So cooler room, greater concentration. Is Makes that true for me. you? Yeah, I mean, Definitely. first of all, 77 degrees is basically hot yoga, which is my version of hell. So I, I don't think I could think well enough to do yoga, much less proofread anything. So I'll take the 67 degrees every day. Yeah, no question about it. And it's a simple little hack, but I turn my office down to 69 degrees. If it gets too warm, I just get sleepy and I start zoning out. So this is a good hack. And by the way, it's also a good hack for better sleeping. Mm -hmm. 67 degrees is the perfect sleeping temperature for me. It is for me too. And by the way, I, th I think it, it could be different for everybody. So find yes. out your own temperature and set accordingly. But you don't sleep well when you're hot and apparently you don't think well when you're hot. There you go. Practice number five, get comfortable. How does this help your ability to focus? Well, if you're uncomfortable, you're going to be distracted, you know, That's so simple. I think it's, it's kind of straightforward. I think also, you know, kicking off your shoes and getting into a comfortable posture for me, now this is going to sound counterintuitive. That doesn't mean, you know, slipping into a comfortable couch or laying in my bed. You know, right. some people call this assuming the position, you know, like when you're in the position of sleep and you're trying to get some study done or some writing done, you're going to fall asleep, mm -hmm. right? So I work at a stand-up desk all day, every day, and I am on my feet and I didn't just start by doing it this much. I've been using a stand-up desk for over a decade, uh, but I'm now on my feet all day, every day, except for today when we're recording the podcast, I'm seated. But I do webinars standing up. I write standing up. I do everything meaningful and important, almost, standing up. So, so far, we have these practices to increase mental focus. Number one, calendar your focus time. Number two, isolate yourself. Number three, go offline. Number four, turn the room temperature down, and number five, get comfortable. And before we move on to practice number six, I've got a little game for you to play, and we will get to that right after the break. Hey, everyone. Mike Boyer here. Michael's latest book, Free to Focus, has been out for a week now. Michael has said it's the most important book he's written, and we know it's helping overwhelmed people find their focus and become more productive than ever. Here's what one reader had to say. My name is Janet Daniel Stelly, and I'm from Lafayette, Louisiana. When you're busy, it's hard to stop and read a book on how to be productive because you're trying to get everything done. And so I loved that just the layout of the book. And there were so many tips that you could use. And um, you can just keep going deeper and deeper into getting more productive um, 
and efficient as you go. And um, so it's at your own pace. And that's, that's what I liked about it. Don't miss out on this transformative book. Get your copy today at freetofocusbook.com. That's freetofocusbook.com. Also, if you're not currently subscribed to Lead to Win, you're missing a major opportunity to get practical, actionable advice delivered straight to your device every week. Don't miss a single episode. Subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen. If you need help, check the simple instructions in today's show notes. And now, back to the show. We're going to get right back to our list of nine practices for increasing your mental focus. Before that, I have a little game for you to play, Michael and Megan, and this game is called Love It or Hate It. Okay. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to list some items as they relate to mental focus. And you're going to tell me, do you love it or do you hate it? Or you can pass. That's one of the rules of the game. Okay. okay. You ready to play? But how do you win? Boo. <laughs> <laughs> Boo. No passing. <laughs> okay. Nick is saying no passing on this game. He's a producer, so that'll have to be the rule. He's the boss. All right. Number one, coffee shop. Love it or hate it? Hate it. Unless I'm in a town where I don't know anybody. Because you get interrupted? Mm-hmm. Okay, Michael, love it or hate it? Hate it for the same reason. If I'm if I'm in a place that people don't know me, then I love it. Office at home, working at your home office, love it or hate it for creating focus? Love it. Love it. I'm actually redoing mine right now, and literally right now, and I'm very excited. Jazz, love it or hate it? <laughs> I can tell that my husband was influential in this question. Uh, it depends what type it is. The more avant-garde, the less I like it. Hate it. For mental focus, hate it. Love it otherwise. Earbuds or AirPods. Love them or hate them? Love, love them. Spouse in the same room with you. Hate it. Mm, probably hate it. Occasionally it can work, but usually it's distracting. Yeah, my wife's distracting in a good way. I'm just like captivated by her. <laughs> that was a nice recovery. Honey, that was for you. <laughs> that was a great recovery, Michael. <laughs> Uh, open window, room with an open window. I don't think I've ever tried that. I don't think I have either. Facing a window, love it or hate love it, it for it. Love it. focus. We said be comfortable. Wearing PJs. No, hate it. No, hate it. Got to dress up to move up. <laughs> you at least have to take a shower to move up. <laughs> Early morning time, love it or hate it? Love it. Love it. Well, then I probably know the answer to the last one. Late night time, mm. love it or hate it? I have had some productive late nights. It's kind of like a rarity, though, I would say. Mostly I hate it, but every now and then it's the right solution. Hate it. I mean... Like once a year. Started at about 8 o'clock at night. You know, my the lids on my eyes begin to just fall. It's true. We can see it happen. I know. Well, there are a lot of ways to create mental focus, and those might be a few others for people to try or to avoid, apparently. So, <laughs> let's jump back to our list of nine practices that... Uh, create more mental focus. We're on number six, which is to put on music that aids concentration. Mm-hmm. I love this one. Um, I particularly love the app called Focus at Will. Um, I use that a lot when I'm doing any kind of focused work and you can pick the tempo, you can pick the genre or the style of music. And I really love this. Do you use this step? Uh, I do occasionally. Yeah. When I need to really write content, I typically put on a soundtrack playlist. We'll drop a link into this. Gail's got a great soundtrack list on Spotify. But it's basically all these great songs from movies that we love. 
and even movies I've never seen. But just there's something about it being instrumental, number one, and also being kind of epic gives me a sense of purpose. And, you know, it's that, that kind of music's written to impact your emotion. Mm-hmm. And, and it does. You know, usually I have a, a much a much more aware of a larger purpose in the world, et cetera, et cetera. So it, it, it helps. Well, there's actually some backing for this. Researchers at Stanford University studied the effect of music on the brain, specifically our ability to pay attention. And believe it or not, music does help you focus and pay attention better. They specifically researched using music from the 1800s, but they found that it engaged areas of the brain that involved paying attention, making predictions, and updating memory. Wow. Well, I've seen some studies that would reinforce that, but specifically they said that the most effective uh, music, which I think would be a little bit earlier than that, would be Baroque music. So Bach, for example, if I really want to be focused and enhance my IQ, I'll listen to Mozart. Interesting. Let's talk about practice number seven for creating more mental focus, which is to notice the effect of food on your ability to focus. I'm going to say no to Big Macs and focus. (laughs) (laughs) Or McDonald's French fries and focus. As tasty as those might be, I found in my experience, they don't enhance mental focus. I've found that if I forget to eat, which sometimes I do in the morning, you know, that I'll, uh, this is like one of my ongoing self-care things that I'm working to get better at, that if I'm hungry, that's really, it really makes it difficult to focus. Yeah, I've noticed that too. And I've also noticed, and this is going to be different for everybody, by the way, Mm -hmm. we're not saying there are any bad foods. But it's going to be different for everybody. For me, for example, caffeine really enhances my ability to focus. Mm -hmm. Okay? So I don't go overboard. Some people think this is overboard. But I'll have uh, typically two cups in the morning, and then I'll have another cup after uh, I have my nap in the afternoon. So caffeine can be helpful. Some people, though, that makes them crazy. They're too jittery, too nervous. They can't focus. So you got to know how it affects you. Um, Another thing for me, too, is I notice that when I eat... Uh, sort of a high-fat meal mm-hmm. or protein-rich meal and less carbs that are more focused. Mm-hmm. You know, other people may have a different experience. Your mileage may vary, as they say. Hydration is really important, too. Super important. If you're dehydrated, your brain uh, does not function very well. In fact, there are certain neurotransmitters that are really depressed or overactive if you're you know, not as hydrated as you need to be, and that's something to pay attention to. You just whipped out a little science on us. Here's a little more science on this subject. A report by the National Institutes of Health reported that foods that are rich in omega-3 fatty acids, and I don't exactly know what foods those would be, but I'm sure that that information is out there. Foods rich in that particular omega-3 fatty acids uh, boost the brain's function when it comes to cognition. So some foods really do. Wouldn't that help be you like focus. fish or eggs, things like that? Yes, and like today, um, nuts. I had a shot, literally, of Udo's oil, mm. Udo. Sounds amazing. And it's a ama- it's made out of flaxseed, but it's uh, and some other things. But I drink that just for the right oils because it's got the omega threes, the omega sixes, and so forth. Mackerel okay. and salmon are very very high. I'm not going to be eating a lot of mackerel, just Holy for mackerel. the record. Uh, we could start having salmon lunches around here to yeah. boost the afternoon. I eat, pl- I eat lots of salmon, twice a week probably. 
Practice number eight for creating more mental focus is to set mini goals. What are mini goals? Well, a mini goal is something that you can accomplish in a designated period of time. So for example, I know that it takes me on average 75 minutes to write a blog post, start to finish. So I've been trying to write in the early mornings now, 500 words in 45 minutes. So I can set a timer. I'm using a timer on my desktop computer called Nice Timer. And there's all sort of, you know, Pomodoro apps that'll, you know, help you to time this. But this is a really good one, Nice Timer. And I just set it for 45 minutes. It's a countdown. And now I'm racing the clock. And now my focus is on being as productive as I can because I've set myself a goal of 500 words and I got to finish it in uh, 45 minutes. And sometimes... I don't quite finish it, but most times I finish it with a little room to spare. I think it's important to remember that projects are not goals. You know, we talk about that a lot with general goal setting, but I think it's kind of true when you're talking about um, focus time that you don't want to confuse projects with tasks. And if you have a big, big project that's going to take, you know, multiple days or weeks to accomplish, and you're not realistic about that, then you can overwhelm yourself and kind of stop yourself in your tracks. So chunk it down, like you're saying, into something that you feel like is reasonable to accomplish in the time that you're dedicating to it. Yeah, what's the next step? Yep. We had this yesterday, Jim and I, my assistant and I were talking about this reception that that we want to hold at the house related to my church. Mm-hmm. And so he said, this just is, and he didn't go to my church, so he said, this just seems so big and hairy and I don't know where to start on it. I said, well, let's request a directory from the church and let's go through and highlight the people that we want to uh, invite. And I'll do that. I'll take that first step and then I'll give it to you and then you can set it up on Eventbrite. So we just broke it down into the, the steps. It was a big project, but each little step, Pretty easy, mm-hmm. you know? And so I did my part of it yesterday in probably five minutes, mm-hmm. passed it off to Gail. She did her part in about five minutes. Now it's back with Jim. It's great. And this brings us to our final practice for today uh, for creating more mental focus. Number nine, set a timer and take frequent breaks. Well, I love to either set a timer or use um, sometimes meetings that are kind of on either side of a period of focused work that I'm doing as my deadline. I work really well with deadlines. And so I will impose those on myself. And I usually have either a certain small project that I'm trying to accomplish or a list of tasks that I need to get through. And using that timer idea is a great way, particularly if you're wired in certain ways, to to drive you towards the completion of that thing. Um, and usually, especially if it's a little less time than I think I really need, I feel like that's key, then that helps me focus tremendously. Do you take breaks, though, through the day? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So for me, you know, obviously, lunch is a break. Mm-hmm. Uh, but usually like mid-morning, and, and I work here most of the time here at the house, uh, in an office that's behind my house. And I'll usually walk inside and chat with Gail and her assistant for a few minutes and mm-hmm. then kind of come back out and resume. But I always, and by always, I mean always, take a nap after lunch. So I have struggled with this nap thing forever. It just, it does not feel like it's gonna gonna happen for me. Um, I do love naps. I just love long naps on the weekends. Yep. It's a whole other thing. But what I have started doing is one of my goals for this year is meditating most days Ooh, like after that. lunch. So I struggle sometimes on really meeting heavy days 
to transition uh, or not transition, but to have the kind of stamina that I need for all those meetings. You know, it could just be exhausting. I'm an introvert, especially in the afternoon. And I think the same holds true when you're doing really intensely focused work Mm -hmm. that if you can build in a break, whether it's a nap or meditation or, you know, walk to go get the mail or something like that, then you can kind of reboot for the next session um, and come back fresh, which is very, very helpful. Well, I'll put my two cents in here, and I I learned from a blog post some time ago, Michael, uh, that you had written mentioning the Pomodoro Method, which is a 25-minute of deep work and a five-minute break, and then some variations on that. Uh, I found that more than doubled my ability to extend my focus time. So from 90 minutes to two hours, I could Mm. go three or four hours doing deep, concentrated work by using that enforced break method. It really was a help. Do you use an app for that or do you just use a timer on your phone? Uh, I used a, an app. I can't remember the name of it now. Yeah, but it there's was a lot a, of them. A, a bunch of them and uh, it would just hit it and then it would just ding and well, okay. And sometimes I had to break myself away from work yeah. because I was so engrossed. But I knew if I don't take a break now in another 30 minutes, I'm just going to want to quit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, good. So it really worked. Well, today we have found nine practices to create more mental focus. In the distraction economy, leaders have to make their own focus. So you can do that by calendaring your focus time, isolating yourself, going offline, turn down the room temperature, get comfortable, put on some music, notice the effect of food on your concentration, set mini goals, and use a timer to take frequent breaks. So guys, any final thoughts for our listeners today? I think this is just a reminder that focus isn't just going to happen. You know, you're you're not waiting for kind of the sea to part and you just have a really great day that results in focus, that you can set the stage for optimal focus with some really simple practices. It's not complicated. It's it's really quite simple. And if you're intentional about it, you can set the stage for not only a productive day, but productive focused work. Yeah, and I would say that focus, and this kind of speaks to the why, this is the superpower in the age of distraction. People that can focus are going to advance in their careers faster. Their businesses are going to scale faster. Everything gets better when you can focus. And those that have it are going to prosper, and those that don't have it won't. And so I think it's incumbent upon all of us to be proactive, to kind of uh, be almost violent in terms of trying to grab this and make sure that we've got it. Because we're, we're up against a lot of uh, big powers that have as their objective our distraction. Well, Michael and Megan, thank you for sharing these insights today. Thanks, Larry. Thank you, Larry. And thanks for joining us on Lead to Win. And join us next time when we'll tell you the very most important hire any leader can make. And it's probably not what you think. Until then, Lead to Win. This episode of Lead to Win is brought to you by Free to Focus, a total productivity system to achieve more by doing less. The latest bestseller by Michael Hyatt. Find out more at freetofocusbook.com.